This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for medical or mental health advice. Individuals are advised to seek independent medical advice, counseling, and or therapy from a healthcare professional with respect to any medical condition, mental health issue, or health inquiry, including matters discussed on this podcast. This episode discusses abuse, trauma, and sexual assault, which may be triggering to some people. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent the opinions of Red Table Talk Productions, iHeartMedia, or their employees. I said, I'm ready. So John kept pushing me, kept pushing me. I said, get out of my way. I'm gone. Mm -hmm. I go, I'm done. And he says, why don't you push me back? Because if you push me, he goes, you'll never get up again. We have been hearing the story of Deborah Newell, who was in one of the most infamous toxic relationships with Dirty John. Dirty John is a story of not just the machinations of a toxic, narcissistic, and likely psychopathic man. It's also about how family narratives and histories, past trauma, hope, and even just believing or hoping for love for a fairy tale can take a person down a dangerous path. Deborah Newell's story has been told by others. Now you get to hear Deborah's story from herself. 
Deborah endured criticism and many viewers and people weighing in on how could she have missed the signs? Why did she move so fast into a marriage? Why did she ignore her children's protests? As we hear Deborah's story, we learn about her why. And we learn how the vulnerabilities that so many of us have can draw us into a relationship with a toxic shapeshifter like John. Everyone thinks they know the story of Dirty John, the modern parable of dating, love, and marriage gone wrong. But now we are hearing the story of the survivor. In our first episode with Deborah, we found out that she started learning uncomfortable truths about his past, as well as witnessing increasingly uncomfortable behavior, monitoring her movements, his stint in prison he didn't tell her about, lying about his military service, and then, while he was in the hospital, she saw that he had been having numerous inappropriate text exchanges with women from his past and his present. Her marriage is unraveling before it even began. So let's work backwards to you mm-hmm. getting married because you met him. Mm-hmm. How long from the day of that first date to <laughs> when you got married? How how much time had elapsed? It was way too soon. It was, unfortunately, I married him in December. Okay. And met him beginning of October. Okay, so October, November, mm-hmm. October, November. So three months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, so it was a fast marriage, mm-hmm. fast move-in, okay? Yep. And so now you're married. What were you thinking? Was it similar to what we're saying? Like, I don't want to live in sin. I want to be married to this person. So what happened was I had to go on a business trip to mm-hmm. Vegas. Okay. And I believe I got there and he wanted to go along. He always loved going with me. And so he's there. And he's done all the work at getting a marriage license. And he had asked me at this point 200 times to marry. Please marry me. Don't I don't want to live in sin. I'm so in love with you. Let's spend the rest of our lives together. I want to die in your arms. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, no, 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 no. I, I'm not marrying you. I'm not going to marry you. Okay, so let's take a yeah. step back there, Deborah. Mm-hmm. He kept asking you. Right. You kept saying no. Yeah. You just set another boundary. Right. And homie apparently didn't get the message because he kept asking. Right. That insistence, mm-hmm. that idea that ultimately he'd break your resolve. Right. Because and he, he did. felt entitled enough to do it, so he did. Right. But you did set a boundary. I did, but unfortunately, I broke that boundary. What was it about what happened going to Vegas that made you, what do you think <laughs> that culminated in a breaking of a boundary that you had actually set? I didn't want to marry him. Okay. And at least not at that point. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I wanted my kids to like him first. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know this person mm-hmm. through and through. So I, I wasn't ready whatsoever. Unfortunately... John kept saying, you're living in sin, you're living in sin, you're living in sin. How is God going to, what if you were to die today and you're living in sin? He knew what to say. Right. He was the expert. And I thought, oh, I can't do this. He goes, what if your mom finds out? And I'm thinking, well, I am a grown adult, but I hate disappointing people. I was disappointing my kids by being in this, number Mm -hmm. one. I had been raised and instilled where you don't do this. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we were at dinner. He had made an appointment for us to go down to the courthouse mm-hmm. and get married and had some paperwork on him. And in the meantime, I had had a couple drinks at dinner. And he said, please, 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 please make me the happiest man on earth. And I'm a pleaser. Mm-hmm. And finally, 
I said, okay. He said, what do we have to lose? I can live with you the rest of my life. I can be, you can make me the happiest man. I mean, he said everything, everything that would mm-hmm. manipulate me. And I said, okay. So there we were at the courthouse late at night, getting married. And I thought, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? What is wrong with me <laughs> that I am not strong enough to say no? Mm. And I'm blaming myself. Yeah. And I sat there and I thought, but I'm so in love with this man. I've never felt so in love in all my life. What were you in love with? I was in love with who I thought he was mm. and how he treated me. Just, I know it's so weird, but it was it was almost a high. Mm-hmm. He was, he said all the right things. Mm-hmm. He did all the right things. Everything that he was doing, obviously he had studied what would make me fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. And there was something I don't even, I can't even say it, but even his smell, mm-hmm. yeah. his presence, yeah. mm-hmm. his quirkiness, mm-hmm. the way he would play with a dog, the way he would pick up a child. There were all these things that would make me just fall for him. Mm-hmm. I loved a man that just loved kids mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or just would get down on the floor and play with a dog that would just smile and say cute things and make me laugh. So there were so many things that he did that, in my eyes, made mm-hmm. me fall, never like I had before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you fell in love. He, yeah. he kept asking, kept asking, and mm-hmm. ultimately that people-pleasing part of you was going to do mm-hmm. you in. There's, mm-hmm. And that's actually a real—it's mm-hmm. an utter damnation yeah. for everyone in these yeah. narcissistic relationships yeah. because many of them are people-pleasers, which means yeah. it's just a matter of time that mm-hmm. you did you did set a boundary. And yeah. then so you marry him, and it's yeah. early in the game. It's yeah. three months in. So now let's jump to where you were private investigator because mm-hmm. now th- things have changed you, and I think this is the part of the story Deborah mm-hmm. that's very important to me that we get right here because mm-hmm. everybody else yeah. has gotten it wrong okay you marry him in December mm-hmm. okay things start already falling apart in January and February mm-hmm. cameras are up yes prison letter yes you talk to Shad yes he's raising concerns mm-hmm. Then the kids get the private investigator. Yes. Now it's March, mm-hmm. and boom. Mm-hmm. What did the private investigator find? So the private investigator found out that he had been in prison, mm-hmm. not in Iraq. He had not practiced. He was not an anesthesiologist. Was he a doctor? He said he had his doctorate degree. I don't know. There were too many other things <laughs> that okay, I focused so you, on. He may have had a doctorate in something else, but he did yes. not have an MD. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading all these things. He had nine restraining orders. Wow. Mm -hmm. So what happened is I go to a lawyer and I want an annulment. I want protection on all my kids. I'm like, I I have to get out. I went with two of my daughters and my daughter-in-law, and we went to this lawyer, told him the story, Tried to serve John, couldn't serve John. Why, you couldn't find him? They hit him. Who hit him? The hospital did. The hospital hit him so he couldn't be served? Yes. What was that about? The hospital has the right to protect their patients. Okay. They make it so, which is interesting because a Mm -hmm. patient in a hospital, usually it's the, you find the room number, you go find him. So they were, they... I couldn't even find him. Wow. I've never heard of that. That's so interesting. This was after four or five days they had put him 
privacy hmm. on his room because my lawyer had sent that we will be serving you. And I guess, and I had gone up to a nurse and I said, you have no idea who this guy is. I just want to look him in the eyes and ask him questions. And they wouldn't let you find they, him? No. You're his wife? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He has a privacy. Um, he's. I don't know what he's done, but I can't see him, Amazing. nor can they serve him. Okay. So then he, at some point, he's going to get out of the hospital. It's just a bowel obstruction. Right. Well, it, he, yeah, but it, he had complications. Okay. Yeah. And so he was he in the hospital for a while? 23 days. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he he was actually quite seriously ill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 23 days he's in the hospital. You can't see him Mm-mm. for 23 days, a person mm-hmm. you've been married to. Right. Obviously, he can't be served. Right. How are you feeling at this time? I'm in shock. Every feeling of betrayal, hurt, frustration, guilt, anger, everything that you, I went through, every fear, had fear like you have no idea. I can imagine. I sat there... And thought, okay, this guy knows everything about me. Yeah. I can't just walk away. So the 23 days is up at some point. Mm-hmm. What happens then? Because he has to be released to someone or someplace. Exactly. So I get this call and he said, Debbie, I'm like. <laughs> and that call was the first time you've talked to him since he went into the hospital. Uh-huh. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I'm moving forward in every area. But I'm also thinking that you can't just walk away. I don't know who this man is, and I don't know what's going to happen. So he said, I miss you. I need you. He goes, I can't live without you. And he goes, and you're my wife. And I'm like, ah. I go, John, do you realize what you've done? I go, do you realize I just found out everything about you? He goes, it's not all true. I go, what do you mean it's not true? Eight restraining orders? How can not even one of those, you know, be true? He said, they're not true. Debbie, I've been the victim. Of course Uh he has. (laughs) And I said, what do you mean you've been the victim? I go, you've lied and lied and lied to me. And I said, how do you expect me to forgive you after all that? And he said, I have no way of being released except to you. He said, you're my wife. He goes, I have no one to call. I don't know how I'm going to get out of the hospital. That part might have been actually true. Yeah, it was true. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, crap, what do I do? I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't want to see him. I don't. And part of me at that point, though, saw, thought, okay, I'm just going to go put him in a hotel room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I went down there, looked at him, and he cried and cried and cried and said, you have no idea. I'm so in love with you. And I didn't want to tell you because I knew I wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't have anything to do with me if you knew my past. So it's just a complete manipulation, turning mm-hmm. himself in the victim uh-huh. after he's the one who's lied to you and right. betrayed you. It's, again, right. that, that's, that uh-huh. right there mm-hmm. is narcissistic personality uh-huh. 101. Yeah. And I looked at him and I said, but John, it can't be with someone like this. And I said, marriage, love is based on trust. And I said, and you've done nothing but lie to me. Mm-hmm. And he kept saying, but you don't understand. You wouldn't have even looked at me. You wouldn't have had one thing to do with me. And I said, you're right. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. I said, if I would have known all this, you're right. I wouldn't have. And then I'm thinking to myself, I've blown it so many times in my life. I mean, I've got red flags. Look how many times I've been married. you know. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, look at me. I'm not like this perfect person. 
And then I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. You know, he he actually looked at me and said, just drop me off somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just sign the release papers and drop me off somewhere. And I said, okay. So I took him and I put him at this Marriott not too far away, got his prescriptions filled and dropped him off. Deborah does something that many survivors do, which is to attempt to find empathy of some kind for the narcissistic person by reflecting on herself. It sort of goes back to the biblical passage when Jesus famously says, He who is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. The problem is, is that survivors take that to heart and view some of their past history as being on equal footing with the narcissistic person's current abusive behavior. They won't cast the stone exactly when they should because there are sins and there are sins. Survivors may justify the narcissistic person's abusive behavior by saying, well, none of us are perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. In no reality is Deborah's history of having been married multiple times on equal footing with John lying about significant parts of his history, monitoring her movements, and inappropriately communicating with other women. I was at this point staying with my oldest daughter, and he kept crying and crying, calling me and crying and crying. And I said, I'm not going back with you. And he said, go to a lawyer with me. On Monday, I'm going to make an appointment for a lawyer, and I want you to talk to the lawyer. I said, about what? Right. And he said, I want them to share the truth with you. What? Yeah. And I said, what do you mean? I go, I've just read everything. He goes, did you notice it's John Meckham? It's Jonathan Mohan? It's... (laughs) He named all these different names, Redhead, 6-2, all these different papers, you know. And I thought, well, you've got a point. They have all these different names. They can't all be him, but obviously some have to be. What ended up happening was we went to the lawyer on Monday. I've got 95% of me is out. 5% of me is in. I'm willing to listen to hear what the lawyer has to say. The lawyer sat there and said, John's the victim. How much you pay that dude to say that? Right. And he said, you don't understand. This man got conned by women. These are not him. He's been conned. He was the victim. And I'm like, really? How could all of these? So I'm not really believing him. That's good. And so what happens is drop John back up at the uh, hotel. And I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with him. You know, legally... Where I stand with him financially, if he's a sociopath. So I started studying mm, I bet you did. what a psychopath mm. is, what a sociopath is. I actually hired a forensic psychologist. Okay. All right. Was that helpful? It was very helpful. Mm-hmm. And I hired a private detective, mm-hmm. one that used to be Secret Service. Okay. To four presidents. And I sat there and I said, I need to know who this man is, Mm -hmm. and I need to know what kind of precautions I need to take. Because, number one, I have no idea what to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, does he get everything of mine or or what? If he knows every password, where's my safety? If he's Mm -hmm, on accounts, mm -hmm. what do I do? And because we had not been able to get the annulment when he was in the hospital, at this point, I think 
let's see, three, four weeks went by. And this lawyer, I'm trying to do some investigating. Mm -hmm. And the forensic psychologist says to me, he is a sociopath, narcissist, predator. Yeah, I mean, that's not something you want to order at a restaurant. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) You and I have spoken. And Mm -hmm. when I looked at the case, upon reading everything after it, it felt more like psychopathy to me. Right. I think it is. You know, because of how calculated, how Mm -hmm. callous, the use of aliases, Mm -hmm. the ease Mm -hmm. of lying. Right. That all feels like psychopathy, which is just the next train station a ways down the track from malignant narcissism, but they are different. I think if you stir those things up in a blender, you get psychopaths. Okay. I really do think that the net result of that, and these terminologies almost don't matter. It's what you were dealing with was, even as a variant of a a narcissistic presentation, the most dangerous, the most chilling. It's very, this is not your sort of center of attention at a party kind of like, this is dangerous. Mm -hmm. All the things Mm -hmm. that would stop a normal person Mm -hmm. from doing something terrible, none of those breaks were on him. These terms, psychopath, sociopath, malignant narcissist, are often used interchangeably. But trying to slice this up into separate pieces actually doesn't work. There is a model called the dark tetrad that is made up of narcissism, psychopathy, Machiavellianism, which is the willingness to exploit other people, and sadism. Instead of trying to distinguish psychopath versus sociopath versus narcissist, the presentation that Deborah was dealing with in John was this dark tetrad pattern. And personally, I'd throw paranoia into the mix of what would characterize his conduct. These different personality styles, narcissism, sociopathy, psychopathy, they're all related. And no matter how you lay it out, the dark tetrad style is harmful to anyone who comes into contact with it. So you are now finding out that this history that the private investigator that your kids and your nephew got, it's being substantiated by this really high-level private investigator. Yes. And the... And the forensic psychologist is really Mm -hmm. giving you this sort of like profile. Mm -hmm. Here's the piece I want to get back to because I think it's so critical to Mm -hmm. the story. Mm -hmm. The two of you got married in December. Mm -hmm. The hospitalization takes place in around March. March. You're done. So this marriage effectively lasted two months. Three. Three. He was in the hospital. You couldn't reach him. And you found out pretty early in his hospitalization what happened and couldn't serve him. Mm -hmm. So when I say this marriage lasted that long, even psychologically, Mm -hmm. by the time early March rolled around and he was in the hospital, you were very clear what happened. And you're like, this is not, I didn't even marry the person I thought I married. But let's call it two to three months. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm bringing this up, Mm -hmm. Deborah, is in every telling of your story I've read, other than your Mm -hmm. autobiographical rendition of it, is that... This picture of this woman who is foolish and stayed in this terrible, toxic marriage. Mm -hmm. You didn't stay in a toxic marriage. You got out of it in two months. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) You're just full of surprises. So in June, I've asked my psychologist. I've talked to everyone involved that's an expert and my lawyer. What do I do? And they said, get out. And I said, but how do I get out when he's got accounts, he's got passwords, 
he's got cameras. And they said, play his game. Mm. And I said, how do I play? At the time, they thought he was a sociopath Mm -hmm. at the time. And I said, okay, how do I play the game? And they said, we'll help you. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. So I told John, let's put you in this. I'm going to rent an apartment by my work, and you can stay there. And I'm going to buy a house in Vegas. Mm -hmm. So bought a house in Vegas, and I said, I need you out there to do all the upgrades. Mm -hmm. Can you stay out there and get well? Because he has also a really bad back. Mm -hmm. And at this point, little by little, I all of a sudden was taking, I was faking it, and that is the worst feeling in the world because that is not who I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I would have to like take a deep breath and think, okay, I can do this. I've got to play the game to my advantage. And so I would literally walk in that door and think, okay, Hey, John, how are you? And he knew. He could see right through me. Hmm. And he goes, you've changed. I go, no, no, I haven't changed. (laughs) And I said, and he'd be, no, you're not the same person. I go, no, I I love you. I'm just stressed, works Mm -hmm. hard, you know. But I, what I was doing was, from that point forward, I was taking every paycheck, opening up a new account, getting cash out. I was starting to plan for my escape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. I was planning the person at work to take over the business, working with them, training them. Little by little, I think I had 67 different passwords. I was changing a couple, a few a week. I was trying to figure out how I could leave. I got a dark wig, different clothes, and I was mapping out how I was going to go into hiding. Wow. So mm-hmm. when did you start going into hiding? When did that pr- process begin? Because if he got out of the hospital at the end of March, mm-hmm. you moved him into the Marriott. What happened in April and May and June as you're leading up to you, you're realizing you want to get out? I'm traveling. You're traveling. A lot to barely okay. see him. My my business, what I did was I chose to do most of the frame walks, presentations, mm-hmm. drywall walks, final walks. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gone a lot. I see. I don't have to be around them. Mm-hmm. So in June, I move them in, end of June, and I'm trying to figure out my life. Anyway, it took all the way till February, but I'm, I've am i got them out in the house in Vegas, okay. out there a lot. I'm not having to see him that much, mm-hmm. thank God. He's questioning everything. Sure, of course. I bought him his own car. And that he keeps in Vegas. Uh Uh-huh. And I also, he ended up keeping the Tesla because I could track it. Oh. I'm putting cameras. I'm actually being able to look in the cameras and watch him. So now you're playing his ground game. I'm playing his game. And I've got about 30000 that I've saved up. Mm -hmm. Actually, more than that. But in cash, I had Mm $30,000. He finds it. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. He had come to Irvine at the time for a doctor's appointment, mm-hmm. and he throws the cash on the bed. And I'm about ready to leave. I'm like two or three days oh, away from leaving God. for good. He throws the cash on the bed, and he said, what's this? I said, cash. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to the facts. He said, why are you hiding it from me? I didn't have an answer. He said, what is this? Pushing me. He goes, what is I said, John. I said, John, move. I'm leaving you. I'm not staying. I'm done. I'm out of here. I thought this is my chance to get out of there as fast as I could. Mm -hmm. I called and I says, 
we're on. We're moving this up three days. I have my installers that were going to move everything out of mine. They were going to go get the car, the Tesla out in Vegas, move everything out of the house in Vegas that I had put there. And so I was going to start being in hiding. I, I called Jack and I said, I'm ready. So John kept pushing me, kept pushing me. And I, he, I said, get out of my way. I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I go, I'm done. And he says, why don't you push me back? Because if you push me, he goes, you'll never get up again. Wow. I said, get out of my way. I ran as fast as oh. I could to the door. I think I grabbed a suitcase with one shoe. Okay, well, you know. All <laughs> one right, shoe, Cinderella. That's going to do me you... well. <laughs> Got in the car, and I called Jack, and I said, we're done. I said, I can do it. I can get out of here now. And so we ended up driving till 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, got out to Vegas. The installers met me first thing in the morning, took everything out, got my car out, and from that point went into hiding. Mm -hmm. And I was in hiding six months. We will be right back with this conversation. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What did hiding look like? Heidi and I went from, let's see, Seattle to Portland to Denver to Mm. Phoenix to Tucson to Austin, wow. all over, North Northern California. You were constantly on the move then. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. were you using different identities, obviously, for everything. So mm-hmm. Different credit exhausting. cards, cash. Yeah. Deborah's story is horrifying and stressful. But another thing that jumps out at me was that she was able to buy some time with money, buying him a separate residence, moving around and staying in different places, accumulating cash. Most people in a situation like Deborah's do not have anything near this kind of resource. They may have to flee with nothing, live in unsafe places in fear, and often there's little law enforcement can or will do to protect someone in such a situation. It's a reminder of how perilous these kinds of toxic relationships can get. Even if you have means, it's exhausting. And if you don't, it can feel damn near impossible. So again, but I'm going to go back to my original point. Uh-huh. You got married in December. Mm-hmm. By end of February, you knew something was mm-hmm. was up. Mm-hmm. March, he's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You then, he comes out of the hospital. You put him in a hotel. Mm-hmm. You've decided you're slowly going to have to distance yourself. So your marriage really was effectively done. Oh, yeah. After two, that's what my point, though. Yes. Is that on paper, you may have been married. Right. And that was critiqued as, how could she not see all these red oh, flags? Yeah. You did see oh, I all did of see these him, red you, flags. You just don't walk away. Correct. Without you knowing know. what you're dealing with. No, yeah. you could not have. Mm-mm, and I think mm-mm. that what you were describing, we talk, we call it a go bag or a safety bag, that, that domestic violence... Right. Um, survivors are told, you've got to have a way to get out of there. You've got to make scans. Right. You've got to email. Back right. in the day, even when I, back mm-hmm. when I was in graduate school, it really was about making mm-hmm. copies and all of mm-hmm. that. Now you've got a phone, you can take pictures, but get all those records, get some cash in one mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. stow a bag at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. So you are, you can't do that quickly. And like you said, he had access to passwords mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. this information about your business and you. Mm-hmm. So now you are pretty much, you're the one who's on the run Yes, and you've done nothing wrong. Right. So that entire period, you mm-hmm. said you were on the run for what? You said how many? Six, Six to seven months. Okay. Is he trying to find you at this time? All the time. All the time he was trying All to find you. All the time. All the time. And obviously he wasn't because you you no longer had the same phone, the this, well, the that. Unfortunately, I didn't have the same phone. I had burner phones. Mm. Wow. I also, what was happening was he would call my office and say, hey, I'm a builder, I'm mm. such and such, because he had my builder list. Mm-hmm. And I can't find her new number. Can you give it to me? And so they would give him the number, even though they weren't supposed to. Mm. So there he would be, and he'd say, boo, I found you. Oof. Yeah. So terrifying. Yeah. And then when I finally find you, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to put you six feet under. Or I can't decide whether to hug you or choke you. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Did you ever attempt to get a restraining order against him? Yes. Were you able to? No. 
Mm-hmm. And was it because, well, I would be curious to know what the reason was you weren't able to. So I tried and tried to get a restraining order, and I had two lawyers, mm-hmm. one in Vegas and one in Orange County. Mm. The lawyer in Vegas, when John wanted tons of money from me, he wanted, he said he was 100% disabled. And so we had to hire someone to watch him. Mm-hmm. He was carrying a rug over his shoulders. <laughs> he was working out at the gym. Mm-hmm, he course. was running, you know, doing all these things. But they had couldn't get the restraining order the first time. They had pushed it and the annulment to September 13th. Mm-hmm. And he was losing over and over and over again with everything going on. Couldn't get the restraining order, though. What happened at one point, my lawyer in Vegas says, you know what, this is going to cost you a ton of money. Nobody saw him as a killer yet, by the way, because he'd never killed anyone. Mm -hmm. Even though he was threatening, they had never seen that. Yeah, but usually a threat is enough. Oh, Oh, I know. Oh, trust me, I know. But he made the comment to me, my lawyer did, that you need to meet with him somewhere safe uh huh, and try to talk him into the annulment and just throw him some cash. So the, uh-huh. again, this is the problem. These, the, the attorneys yeah. know nothing about right. this. Because now, just you tell people the story. Up to that point, not even what ends up happening. Right. Up to that point, right. anyone, a, a first-year graduate student would have been, right. oh, this sounds like narcissism or psychopathy. And he's telling you to meet this person? Okay, here's the other issue. So I've got experts trying to fill me in on what's going yeah. on and how to do things and so on. The other thing that was told to me was by my forensic psychologist. He said, you know what? I wouldn't worry about your kids. You're the one that we need to worry about. See, and that's not... The, and I, I mean, thought, well, no. thank God. Mm-mm. And you know what? I was really willing to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to a point where you're yeah. in hiding and yeah, you're yeah. just... Mm-hmm. You can't do it any longer. And you no. think, okay, you know what? Yeah, I can die. I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. I'm not in fear of dying. I can do it. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, but my kids, you know, yeah. what's going to happen with my kids? You know, I know mm-hmm. they're grown adults, but how are they going to handle all this? But he's told me, don't worry about your kids. Then what happens the end of June is John sets one of my cars on fire. Wow. And the forensic psychologist comes to me and he says, you know what? That's when they said he is a psychopath. Yeah, I mean, I think the behavior before yeah. that definitely yeah. iced it. But set fire to your car. Mm-hmm. Restraining order now? We're still not in court. You know what happens. Why don't you tell? I have sent one of the private investigators that's actually on my case that John has gone silent. Hmm. The day before, he was always making up other email addresses and you name it. and find, He was finding me all the time. But he wasn't physically finding me. Mm -hmm. So at this point, what had happened was John had, the day before, I think he had sent 200 messages, and then he went silent. Hmm. So I called the private investigator, and I said, I think something's ready to happen. Yeah. Yep. You're absolutely right. I said, I think he's here. And I said, please, please, please do something about this. Mm -hmm. We can't keep living this way. And didn't get a response. And this was, I don't remember the time, but it was Mm mid-morning when I had sent it. And then I, my girlfriend, I came into town and I had put Jacqueline at this place and I was staying right at the end a couple times with her. Mm -hmm. And this was, again, a guard gate, Mm -hmm. but five cameras before you get to 
our place. Okay. So I'm thinking we're safe. Plus, if I ever flew in from town or whatever, I had a rental car mm. and or I took Uber. Okay. And I'd have them take me through the gate okay. and drop me off to where there's no way he could follow mm-hmm. anyone in because there is a guard gate with a guard. Mm-hmm. So I told my girlfriend, you know, even if he's arrested, I will always be in fear because of what he had done to those private investigators that he had had death threats on, that he had hired somebody to kill while he was in prison. So while he was in prison, he issued death threats against private investigators who had looked into him. Yes. Wow. So I'm thinking, even if he is in prison, I'm still going to be in fear. Yep. You know, he knows a lot of bad people, I'm sure. So what happens at this point is I told my girlfriend, I just feel like I'm going to be in fear the rest of my life, no matter what. That's about right. And this is about 4, 4.30 when I'm telling her. She drops me off at the place where Jacqueline and I were at this point. And all of a sudden I get this call and it's Tara. And Tara says, Mom, I'm sorry. And I said, sorry, for what? She said, I killed your husband. I said, you did what? What? What's going on? She says, I killed your husband, John. And I said, oh, honey, that's okay. That's okay. What's going on with you? And then I can't talk. I said, where are you? And she says, I'm at my parking complex. I don't even remember getting in the car or getting there. I don't remember any of it. Um, I show up, the yellow tape is around. I'm probably a half mile away and all I can see is flashing lights. And I get up to the yellow tape, there are a good hundred people there. There's cop cars everywhere, there's fire engines, there's two ambulances. And I'm like running to her and they're saying, get back, ma'am. And I'm like, it's my daughter. And they said, it's a crime scene, get away. And I see her sitting on the curb, people around her, and I'm like, at least she's sitting. And I'm Mm -hmm. seeing an ambulance take off. Mm -hmm. And I realize that's John. Mm. You know, John's off. And I'm thinking to myself, thank God, thank God that he's the one going off. And not her. And she's not. So they put her in an ambulance. I get in a cop car. A policeman, he drove me to the hospital. And they said, I can't go in and see her. I called the family. Everyone's over there, all the kids. And we're just, we're in shock. We're, we're a mess. All of us were just crying and just couldn't believe that this is our life. Anyway, Tara was interrogated until about 10.30 at night. This happened at 5.25. And, and they told me during this time frame, because I kept trying to go back to her, I, I just wanted to be with her. Mm-hmm. They said, you're not going to get to see her tonight. It's going to be hours. And I'm like, she's my daughter. Why can't they said it's a crime scene? Mm. And I hear somebody say something about the other person is DOA, dead mm-hmm. on arrival. Mm-hmm. And they said, but he needs to be, he's John Doe right now. He needs to be identified. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to leave my daughter. And they said, you have to, you have to go identify him. So they took me over, walked in. A private detective said he's brain dead, basically. He's mm-hmm. had many seizures. He was the last knife or one of the stabs went into his eye. And I'm thinking, thank God. Yeah. You know, God has a way of working things mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. At least he's gone. Yeah. At least that nightmare is over. But for Tara, 
you know, she's got PTSD and she's got to deal with everything now. Did he go over there that night to kill Tara? My honest opinion, I think that he was so enraged with me that I had been getting away, been getting winning in court and everything else. And he was so obsessed that what I think happened was he was going to kidnap her and it was a kidnap gone wrong because he had ties. He had the zip ties. He had rope. He had knives. I think it was a kidnap gone wrong. Tara doesn't agree with that, hmm. you know, and she she was the one that it happened to. But in my eyes, I think he wanted to get to her to get me. To get you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The period of time after an abusive relationship of any kind ends, domestic abuse or a relationship with someone who's obsessive and narcissistic or a relationship with someone who's psychopathic, that period can be the most dangerous and the most abusive. Narcissistic folks and folks with other toxic personalities do not like when they are no longer in control. And they don't like it when they perceive that someone else is winning. This is something called post-separation abuse, and it can manifest as stalking, harassment, smear campaigns, threats, and even threats against people or pets or things that matter to the person who is leaving. Obviously, Deborah's is a severe and horrific example of post-separation abuse. But until people understand this, we run the risk of underplaying the danger of the time after a relationship ends with law enforcement, judges, and other systems just writing it off to people being angry that things didn't work out and just needing some time to cool off. No, this is much more than that and is often why survivors feel stuck. They're scared, and rightfully so, that the abuse and control and menace within the relationship will get worse or dangerous if they leave. In the months after this happened, in the days Mm -hmm. after this happened, and then the weeks and the months, years, how are you feeling? First, you're in shock. And of course, I had more, you know, it's your child. And you're the one that dated this person and brought him into your life, into everyone's life. So I had so much guilt. Mm -hmm, I'm sure. Oh, I just thought, but you know what? You don't go out on a date thinking this is going to be the outcome. You don't marry someone thinking that this is what's going to happen. This was the last thing I thought would happen. So I think the first six months was all about getting Tara help, getting her better. And I sort of ignored myself. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I wrote my book Mm -hmm. that I really started the grieving process Mm -hmm. and the healing. And during that time frame, I had to forgive myself. Mm -hmm. I had to look back at my life and realize the situations that I had been in really had formed sort of how I reacted to certain things. What do you mean by that? Being a peacemaker, Ah, mm -hmm, being mm -hmm, the pleaser, mm -hmm. having these dreams, Mm -hmm. you know, the fairy tale, wanting love, Mm -hmm. wanting that family, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting the things that I think are very natural in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I needed to love myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I needed to learn boundaries Mm -hmm. and... I needed to actually learn red flags, what a narcissist was, what (laughs) gaslighting was, Mm -hmm. what love bombing was. Mm -hmm. I really needed to educate myself Mm -hmm. to understand 
the dynamics of what had happened, what other women go through. Right. Our session will continue after this break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now wherever you're listening. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You said I had to learn what boundaries were. Mm -hmm. What was interesting was two elements of you were coming together, the boundaries and the pleaser. Mm -hmm. And I think this happens for so many people, right? Mm -hmm. You were setting Mm -hmm. boundaries. When he was being insistent, you'd say no. Lies on your bed, you say leave. Mm -hmm. He asks you to marry you a thousand times, you say no. Mm-hmm. And then somebody pushes enough, you say yes, because mm-hmm. the pleaser in you almost was fighting with the mm-hmm. boundary setter mm-hmm. in you. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very easy to say, I'll set boundaries. It's, it's right. an easy prescription. Right. But we got to remember that that comes up against the sort of 
the the rest of you, which is that yeah. pleasing part. Yeah. I remember reading the story initially, mm-hmm. and I remember it so well. I remember where I lived, mm-hmm. and I, by mm-hmm. the time I came to the story, all parts of the series were out on on the L.A. Times. In the L.A. Times, it was and a they Sunday got morning. it so wrong. They and and Ugh. they got it so wrong. Mm-hmm. Yet I read the story not knowing what yeah. the wrongness of it was. I'm reading it, mm-hmm. and as I'm going through it, I thought. How is the, no one's ever going to give this woman the help she needs because I was already mm-hmm. doing this work. Right. No one's ever going to give her the help she needs. Mm-hmm. How does this story end? It's before I get to the last episode or the last you know right. s- installment of the series. Right. And then I read it and he dies. I remember the relief that flooded my body mm-hmm. because I said there was no other ending of this right. story that was going to work because otherwise you... Mm-hmm. Or one of your children would mm-hmm. have been killed. Right. The reason it sat so hard for me was that in the vast majority of these cases, mm-hmm. the John, the mm-hmm. perpetrator, doesn't get killed. And the systems that don't give restraining orders, mm-hmm. that say you don't have mm-hmm. enough, that secret people away so they can't be served, right. and on and on. Right. Every system that repeatedly, and I mean repeatedly, mm-hmm. fails survivors. Mm-hmm. I will guarantee you mm-hmm. this, Deborah. Mm-hmm. He would have killed you. Oh. You and I would not be having this. You oh. would have died. There's no way. The system fails us. Everybody. I can't here. begin to tell you. So the only yeah. reason there was resolution here mm-hmm. is because the perpetrator died. Right. Right. Under the most yeah. bizarre of circumstances, yeah. all things being equal, his mm-hmm. size versus Tara's size, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of those things, the way he mm-hmm. completely caught her by surprise, the weaponry he had on his in his hands, she should have been the one who died. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, oh. That this story yeah. took this turn. I understand this is why it's gotten everybody's yeah. attention. Yeah. yeah. But in, so this, this story is so important, but in a strange way— mm-hmm. And this is how I felt when mm-hmm. I, after I finished with the, the podcast series in the LA Times, I thought, damn it, mm-hmm. by having that be the ending, mm-hmm. the systems aren't going to change. Right. Because mm-hmm. what, would, what would end up happening is that they're like, okay, well, this one's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yet. Mm-hmm. And that's what they told me. Yes. They said, okay, he's dead. Walk away. Yeah. And I said, no. Because I this said, is, if it happened to me, mm-hmm. it could happen to anybody. And it's happening to people. Yeah. All over the place, mm-hmm. regardless of mm-hmm. gender, this happens to mm-hmm. men, this happens to mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. you name it, it happens to yeah. everyone. Yeah. And those people, some of them will die. Right. Many of them will live yeah. in a lifelong sense yeah. of threat and trauma. It relates to something, a phenomenon called post-separation abuse. And yours, you had mm-hmm. pre-separation abuse. Mm-hmm relationship abuse, Mm -hmm, and mm post-separation abuse. mm -hmm. Can you talk to us very specifically? Because I think to me what's troubling Mm -hmm. is the way the story came to the world. First the LA Times Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then the Bravo Netflix series. They didn't get it right. No. Can you let us know what they didn't get right? Because I think sometimes survivors see those stories and either will say, maybe Deborah is just foolish mm -hmm. or maybe people are going to blame me. Mm -hmm. Telling stories incorrectly in this space. Right. There's a real danger to it. Right. We are at one level being entertained by the pain Mm -hmm. of others. And Mm -hmm. listen, irony not lost on me. I'm here on a podcast talking to you. And I'd Mm -hmm. like to think my goal Mm -hmm. is different. But Mm -hmm. everyone know that I understand what Mm -hmm. I'm saying here. But if you tell the story one way, it it can feel, I don't know, almost more entertaining as it were. Mm -hmm. But tell us what those stories got wrong. Oh, so many things. First of all, I don't think I'm this naive... I might be trusting, don't get me wrong, 
but I think that I'm fairly intelligent. They don't show sort of the steps that you start taking to protect yourself mm-hmm. in the series or the podcast. I think the other thing is they portray each character in such a way that, for instance, Jacqueline, which is Roni in the series, Jacqueline, she is she can be extremely sweet and funny and everything else. They show her as sort of a bitch, entitled mm. bitch. What happened with me was far worse than what they show. When they start the series out, or the podcast for that matter, they don't realize that at, in the beginning, um, everything looks so wonderful, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And they don't realize that I'm already in. Mm-hmm. I'm already in when, when things really heat up in the series. I went into hiding. I think they show it so minimal that I went into hiding. They, they don't show the research. They don't show the threats. Right. They don't show, I guess they show the romance in the beginning, the first chapter, but they really don't dive into that this man was good at what he did and had done it to many, many other women. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel they really portray us the right way. What I think what's so important about what you're saying is when it was good, it was good. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that all of the stories were almost like, you know, that either the, if it was a, the TV program, like the uh-huh. doomy music and right. focusing on the frayed scrubs and right. all these sort of right. like scary moments. And he didn't have frayed scrubs, by the way. So you see, that was over and over uh-huh. again. The image uh-huh. was of the sort mm-hmm. of frayed scrubs right. guy, right? That, that right. sticks in my head. And I think that the, the danger in that is it pushes people then to really view the survivor as foolish. Well, there are all these bad things, so how could you have liked this? You must be mm-hmm. a masochist. Right. Versus mm-hmm. very romantic, connected, mm-hmm. enjoyable. Like I said, a con man's a, a con, con man. man. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the... That was a real experience to you. Right. And by not portraying it that way and playing it only for the red flags, mm-hmm. we lose. And this is every survivor of mm-hmm. narcissistic abuse. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. when things are really going wrong, they'll say, we still had a great weekend. Mm-hmm. We had a really mm-hmm. nice holiday. Mm-hmm. And it confuses the hell out of people. Mm-hmm. Because I agree with that. The whole portrayal of you was like, here's a woman of uh-huh. a certain age, and right. she's so desperate because and who's going to date her? No. Yeah. But that was the portrayal mm-hmm. of you. Oh, of course. And I remember reading mm-hmm. the series and thinking, well, that's uncharitable. Yeah. That they would view her mm-hmm. as, well, she's got no other options. Right. So, she better right. you know, lock down on this one, even yeah. if there are some red flags, right. because who else is she going to get? Right. That it was, I mean, as from a feminist perspective mm-hmm. alone, it was mm-hmm. a very disrespectful kind of a stance. Right. But it really portrayed you as somebody like basically uh-huh. this guy was like bringing uh-huh. Uh-huh. weaponry to your house mm-hmm. and you were like, oh, I just want to be in love. Uh-huh. And it wasn't that. Oh, no. The other thing that really bothered me about it is there was a lot of victim blaming. Oh, yes. And I'm like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm the good person here. He's the bad guy. Don't they realize what a con artist does? Don't they realize how good they are? And for me, and I still, I think about two months ago, I still was getting calls about, oh, I dated John. He sucked me in. Oh, I was in love with John. And they said he was good. Many of these women own businesses, Mm -hmm. are Fairly intelligent. Two had to leave the country. One had to change her name. Wow. Yeah. So he really harmed and damaged. He's damaged. Some of the women said they're still a mess over it. Mm -hmm. And I said, he's gone. You know, take this time to heal. I go, never. you'll never forget it, but 
take this time to heal. In talking to these women who had been victimized by him, Mm -hmm. did they say that they, did it help them that you told your story? Yes, very Mm -hmm. much so. Mm -hmm. A lot of women are embarrassed, you know, especially being successful, intelligent women. They said they were so embarrassed they Mm -hmm. couldn't tell anyone. The embarrassment of the survivor is mm-hmm. such a phenomenon that mm-hmm. I is a lot of it is how these stories get told. Oh, right. time and time again, the right. glorification of the psychopath and right. the narcissist. Right. They must have a whole division at Netflix or something that develops yeah. shows like, oh, let's mm-hmm. glorify mm-hmm. another psychopath. Mm-hmm. Because it really is this glorification of narcissists, right. glorification of psychopaths. Look mm-hmm. at what look at how they con this foolish person. Mm-hmm. That's it's literally a formulaic mm-hmm. story. Right. And n- these survivors aren't foolish. They believed mm-hmm. what they were being told. So right. unless we literally wanted to completely break people of trust and and, right. and imbue them with a cynicism. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of cynicism mm-hmm. is good, but mm-hmm. not not as much as it would make it so that nobody ever trusts anyone right. again. Right. And part of the reason there though, Deborah, is if you're foolish, mm-hmm. then I'm safe. Because mm-hmm. that's happened mm-hmm. to you because you're right. an idiot. Right. And if you're an idiot, then I'll be fine because I'll be able to see this coming. Right. That's right. dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm walking around thinking I'm going to be mm-hmm. fine, instead of saying mm-hmm. I'm as vulnerable to a con mm-hmm. man like this as anyone, mm-hmm. then I'm going to go in thinking I'm all that and nothing's right. going to happen to me right. and something might happen to right. me. That's a mm-hmm. real problem. Because everyone else has taken your story and told it. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy to see that you took your story and are telling it yourself. So can you tell us about your new book? Well, it's called Surviving Dirty John. And I worked with a great ghost writer. And I basically started from my early beginnings all the way through now mm-hmm. about the process of what happened. I wanted people to really know the truth. Mm-hmm. We also deal with talking about red flags and mm-hmm. many other things that you need to look out for. You know, I'd be curious to know that, though. Given how successful this was for Bravo, for Netflix, mm-hmm. for for the LA Times, right? right. That story was so successful. Right. Your book is successful, too, in the sense that it's, win- it's winning this award. Right, right. Okay. Why do you think people are so obsessed with true crime? I'm curious. As somebody who was a focus of one of these stories. Because I think it happens every day. Mm-hmm. Happens mm-hmm. to their friends. It happens mm-hmm. to them. I think it's... Pretty much, we're raising awareness right mm-hmm. now more than ever. Mm-hmm. So it's just a way to tell a story. People are, mm-hmm. they, in some ways, it does make the world seem like dangerous. Right. Maybe right. it actually yeah. is. So congratulations on your award. Oh, thank you. Everyone, you want to read this book, Surviving Dirty John. I'm, I really enjoyed it. I have oh, to tell good. you, it was refreshing mm-hmm. to hear the humanity in the story. Mm-hmm. Rather than a book that felt like it was like basically painting the picture of how could someone be so foolish? I thought, okay, this is her taking her story back. So everybody go read this book. If you actually do like true crime, go read Deborah's book because it's it's really it's great. It's a it's I think a better telling than Thank the you. other stories were. So I hope lots of people read it because I think that it's it's also a, a fable of a survivor, mm-hmm. which is what I think we need to hear more of. I want to ask you one last question because I think it's something that listeners are going to want to know, is three of your children said they didn't like him. Right. Okay. All the things happened that happened, and then something so terrible that it was almost unfathomable happened. You said Mm -hmm. you felt a lot of guilt. Yes. This idea that your kids said, no, no, bad, bad. You Mm -hmm. went ahead with it anyhow, and then this terrible thing happened. How did that play out for you psychologically? Horrible. My kids are my world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're all good now. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, I I think— they realized who I am as a person and 
how I was as a mom, Mm -hmm. and the relationships that we had prior to John were fabulous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm close to all of them. Good. Tara probably speaks out the most because of obviously she's the one that probably was affected the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just had everyone over for dinner the other day, and I think that life for me, I, I just appreciate the family so much more than I ever have. I mean, that's a yeah. good outcome. But this this was a case where we actually, which we rarely see at the end of narcissism stories, was justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, it had to be in a completely twisted way, which harmed Tara, mm-hmm. which harmed you, your family. Yet it did land in a place where like, okay, these people can now at least go through the world right. feeling safe. And until this happened, nobody John had harmed before could have safely gone through the world. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't just you and your family. There were other people harmed by him who were able to be Many. safe. Yeah. Here are my takeaways from my conversation with Deborah. While I have shared this before on this podcast, I don't think it can be said enough. The post-separation period in a relationship with a narcissistic or psychopathic person is the most dangerous. The obsessiveness, control, need to win, and the need for power and domination that is part and parcel of these personality types means that when a person in one of these relationships slowly starts to distance or leave, the abuse will start to escalate. It is this reason that many people don't leave and then feel shame at not leaving or staying in such an unhealthy relationship. Deborah has myriad resources available to her, and the post-separation phase was still deeply terrifying and untenable. For folks with fewer resources, it can be impossible. Working with a therapist, domestic abuse programs, or other advocacy programs can be essential to create the safest options for you. And also a reminder that staying because you are afraid of the post-separation behavior is not a weakness. In some cases, there may be few other options. It's important that survivors remember to tell their own stories. Deborah's story got retold by others who turned the narrative into the usual, who would fall for that? Why didn't you leave? How could you be so naive? Blaming rhetoric. She sat down and ultimately wrote her own book and took her story back. You can tell your own story as well. I am reading more and more memoirs, blogs, essays, and emails about people's survivorship in their own words. Whether the world hears your story or not, whether you share it in therapy or on paper, write your story from your perspective, informed by the reality of how challenging these relationships are. Don't let someone else tell that story for you and tell your story without blaming yourself. Deborah's story hit me personally and raised that chronic sense of helplessness that comes up in stories about narcissistic and toxic relationship abuse. In some ways, her story provided a sort of closure and finality, and in a twisted way, it felt like there was some kind of justice because most stories of narcissistic abuse have no kind of justice. Think about it. 
In all of John's prior relationships, the women he was with were left devastated and scared, while he just blithely went forward to his next target and a new life. Too often, the narcissistic person just goes into their new future, shares a false narrative about their past and about their past relationships, while the person they harmed has to struggle and live with the fallout of narcissistic abuse. Perhaps it's a reminder that the lack of justice can be a real impediment to healing. And obviously, the circumstances of John's death created tremendous trauma within Deborah's family. But the fact is, closure in narcissistic relationships can feel pretty rare. A big thank you to our executive producers, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Fallon Jethro, Ellen Rakuten, and Dr. Romani Dervasala. And thank you to our producer, Matthew Jones, associate producer, Mara Della Rosa, and consultant, Kelly Ebeling. And finally, thank you to our editors and sound engineers, Devin Donahue and Calvin Bailiff. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. 